The travel experience is powered by all of you. Welcome to Powering Travel, brought to you by Expedia Group. I'm Sally Smith. And I'm Brandon Earhart. Together, we'll explore how experts are evolving the industry and discover the latest trends in hospitality. So bypass that rental car counter. Your convertible is waiting. Powering Travel is next. On today's last episode of season one... Brandon, I can't believe it's the last episode. This has been such a highlight over the past few weeks. It is. And it's a highlight that I am hoping to continue to do. But gosh, we have had some fun, haven't we? So much fun. We're going to continue today. Let me tell you more. We're going to discuss an area of the travel industry that has been on the rise over the pandemic, rental cars. We've seen how drive markets have become more popular for travelers who want to get out, but maybe are staying closer to home. And at the end of this episode, who better to ask about trends in rental cars and driving than drivers in the Indianapolis 500? We will do that at the end of this episode, so stay tuned. But first, Ricardo Casco from Avis Budget Group will join us. Sally, tell us more about Ricardo. So yes, we are joined today by Ricardo Casco from Avis Budget Group. Ricardo is the Vice President, International and Online Travel Sales for Avis Budget Group. In this role, Ricardo oversees the company's initiative to generate and grow business from a diverse portfolio of over 500 global customers across the Americas, Europe, and Asia Pacific. The market segment he leads include online travel partners, global brokers, and tour operators, as well as cross-border partnerships. Ricardo joined the Avis Budget Group team in 2010, and he comes with an extensive background from the travel and customer industries with companies like Discovery Communications, LATAM Airlines, Time Warner, and Procter & Gamble. So I would love, Ricardo, if you could talk a little bit about Avis Budget Group and what your role is there just to kick us off. Yeah, let me give you the uh, five seconds advertising so about Avis Budget Group and and. Uh, First, we think ourselves as a leading global provider of mobility solutions. So we run or we operate three of the most recognized brands within the industry. That would be Avis, uh, Budget, and Zipcar. So our brands represent an ecosystem of about 11,000 locations in about 180 countries. And we've been doing this for about 70 years. We are committed to innovation and moving the future of mobility forward. That's what the company is and uh, what I do. I focus in two areas. And uh, one is international sales, so cross-border. So basically think of uh, somebody coming out of Europe, uh, Asia Pacific, or Latin America into the U.S. It will go to my group. So you can imagine how exciting that was in 2020 and 2021. And the second part is online travel distribution. So basically managing a relationship like, like with you guys with Expedia. I love it. You've had a pretty slow couple of years, I'm sure, right? <laughs> Car yeah, rental is not popular <laughs> during the pandemic. <laughs> I have to tell you, thank, thank God Anna, for you guys, because back in 2020, when the whole pandemic began and, and uh, we would doing great and out of the blue, you know, everything shut down. So the pain that we felt in the U.S. domestic market, and so imagine myself and uh, trying to explain, you know, our performance from Europeans or Asia Pacific people coming to the U.S. Or like <laughs> my number just dropped like 95%. So it wasn't fun to do that. And uh, but on the upside, online travel distribution and Expedia and uh, for the driver of recovery. So that was a nice story to tell. 
And now kind of on a we just going back to uh, normal, you know, when uh, when those COVID restrictions uh, were lifted like a few weeks ago and, uh, and now, you know, inbound began to be a popular topic again. Can I dive in there? Because I think rental cars had this incredible story where, you know, I think at the onset of COVID, people weren't really sure what they were going to do. And then these people who are in the cities and people who just wanted to get out from where they were decided, I'm going to go rent a car. And so you've had almost like this boomerang where some initial quiet and then this surge of demand, at least from what you know, I saw from my perspective. Take us through your shoes. What were like that, those 18 months of COVID like? So the first thing that the company did, and I guess our CEO did properly is, is as soon as the demand and uh, collapsed, pretty much, we adjusted our fleet and we reacted properly. Then, you know, now the recovery began quite quickly and it was really complicated to manage because and, uh, you get a massive upside on very popular destinations, like, you know, a lot of people going to like outdoors in Denver or Florida, you know, so you have this concentration of people going to a specific location, which created operational complications. And uh, our main business has always been airport, you know, rentals and airlines stopped pretty much and everybody began to rent in into, uh, into neighborhood, neighborhood locations. So we need to relocate everything. You can say, you know, looking back and, uh, well, it's expected. Yes, it is, I guess. And now because you think about it, you know, you went to the lockdown and uh, people began going crazy within 30 days and being locked down with your kids and your family. And, 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 and I, at least I have it easy. I'm in Miami and it's, everything is open. And, and, uh, but, you know, going back to places like, you know, New York where, you know, you live in an apartment and, and it's, it's complicated, right? So people just try to find a, an escape. For those 18 months, I did like four times what I never did before. I used to drive from Miami to Georgia, I spent one month with my family and then come back. And I, it's like a 10 hour drive. I did it overnight. It was for sure an, an challenging experience. And now we're going back to normal. And funny enough, we've seen kind of something similar and maybe not so much for the pandemic. It's, it's, I think it's just because everything's so expensive now and inflation and all of that. So we kind of see the same phenomenon, you know, and uh, people taking vacation in a radius of 100 miles from home. Again, it's interesting because we're going back to what we saw through the pandemic now, because, but because of a different driver. Have you seen any other changes in behavior post the pandemic? And I'll give you a little story about myself. I actually was renting through Budget Group. It was about a year into the pandemic, similar to what you were expressing earlier. I wanted to get out somewhere. Um, so a dear friend and I went to Arizona and we wanted to rent a car. And we thought, you know what? We're doing the convertible. We're going to do it. We're going to upgrade. We're getting the convertible because this is going to be incredibly memorable. And we want to travel. We want to be outside. Now, we, we kind of changed what we would normally do on vacation. And it was fantastic. We had the best time, great car, great experience. It felt very safe while doing it, which was important at the time. Anything else that you've seen that consumers are willing to pay for or maybe not pay for just coming out of the pandemic and what's their top priority? We began to see like longer rentals, you know, way longer rentals. Like people were taking a car and just holding into that for a long period of time. Again, going back to the example that I told you before, you know, even myself, like I used to drive to Miami, to Atlanta or Georgia, and I stayed there for like three, four weeks. And I ended up keeping that car for three or four weeks. Like myself, there are many of us that and I expanded the holding into the car because, you know, of remote working. So that, that's the number one priority. The other 
thing that actually caught my attention. Like, this didn't come from me. I was reading an analysis from a consulting company about, you know, segments and uh, that are driving recovery. And two of them are very predominant, right? Number one is younger population. I don't, I don't know what you define by younger, like 18 to 30 or 35, maybe, you know, and, and that makes sense, right? You know, millennials and older and Gen Z's, you know, just want to get out of here. The second one is wealthy people. I, ne I never read it like that before, but you think about it, going back to what we talk about and, and inflation and raising full prices. So now people would maybe make more means, you know, and have are coming back faster and also they have the capacity to get bigger car classes and, and you know, signature type of car types. That one for me is interesting because for the first time I don't see like baby boomers being part of a, of a driving force in travel recovery, that specific big group of people being, you know, again, a driving force in, in, in everything travel related now is coming from all these high, high costs of travel to complement that is a lot of leisure travel, right? And, and uh, so commercial travel is, is taking a little bit longer to come back. It's in the process of it, but because, you know, you have TNE policies and travel restrictions and people working remote and at uh, that concentration of leisure is higher. Which, you know, is, is, is good. It's just that they have a different, let's say, booking behavior, right? They book in, in, in more in weekends or not so much on midweek or, or Mondays or Tuesday. Have the gas prices, have you seen that impacting the rental business for this peak summer travel period of 2022? I think we have two conflicted trends. Number one is travel intent is very high. You think about it, this is the first summer vacation post-COVID. That's number one. The second one is expensive. And I'm not talking about the car rental, and, uh, but travel in general. So there's a careful planning and sentiment about this rising fuel prices and inflation. So if you think about it, the consequence of one and two is what we just talked about. We're going to see people again choosing to travel within this 100 miles radius of home. Talk about inbound travel. Like if you want to come here from Europe or Latin America, it's, it's very expensive. It's not because the car rental is expensive. Just getting here, an airline ticket is like, I don't know, from Brazil or Europe, but like a basic economy would be like a thousand bucks, 1500 bucks. And, and, and you still have to pay for your bag. You have a family of four, you have 5,000, 6,000 bucks. So it's, it's expensive, right? But people really want to come. We, we have, and I have a customer from, from Argentina that he was joking about, like saying, look, you know, and a summer is going to be good, but I can, we, we can imagine dad talking to their songs like, and, uh, hey, enjoy this one because in Christmas you go into your grandma's house and <laughs> that's it. You're not getting a second one. I agree with that. I think that's going to be the, the case. So it's so interesting to hear the various logistical changes that go on behind the scenes created by the pandemic that people may not even be thinking about, like the shift of moving cars to neighborhood locations instead of airport rental car pickups, which makes sense because if you lived in an urban environment during the pandemic, what a sense of freedom to go down, get a rental car and travel safely and just feel great about being able to get out. And I would imagine that this constant monitoring of travel behaviors changes regulations it's been quite challenging, but it's been the right move because they're meeting the traveler needs where they want to be and how they want to travel and use rental cars. Can you imagine being in like fleet management for a rental car company during COVID? At first, you're probably like, 
what am I going to be doing? No one's traveling. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I have to move all these cars to neighborhood locations and reallocate our fleet. Probably a pretty big 180 that they did one day in the office. It's incredible, right? If you look into rental cars, like I think that as we look back and how ride sharing had really, you know, was on the rise and we saw the younger demographics really, you know, saying, do I even need a car when I'm traveling? And the answer a lot of times was no, but then we see that same younger demographic really embrace the rental car, really take uh, to empower themselves to go travel. So it's been a complete shift for the rental car industry. And I think a great opportunity to engage a demographic and generate loyalty with an audience that really hadn't experienced the product. Yes, absolutely, Brandon. And his next points about sustainability are really interesting as well. So let's go back to the interview and hear more about that from him. Avis Budget Group has announced this year that their intention to move away from the internal combustion engine and more towards an EV fleet, which solves your fuel problem. Can you tell us more about your drive to sustainability, pun intended? So we acknowledge that cars count for like 15% of global greenhouse emissions. So it's, it's a great source of air pollution and transitioning to a low carbon economy is another significant business opportunity for the company. We already have a large fleet of hybrid and, and EV cars globally, and uh, 85% of our fleet is rated at uh, 26 miles per gallon or better. 37% is the EPA, EPA SmartWay certified, and uh, 25% of our fleet in Norway and Sweden is, is hybrid and electrics. And the, the one that I like the best, and, and I didn't know this one, Zipcar, like we have over 1 million members in Zipcar. For every Zipcar that we have, we, up to 13 or 14 personally owned cars are taken off the road. And then, you know, you come to, you go back to EV, which is, you know, it's an important trend. Government is investing in electric cars and infrastructure. And, uh, and I will go with the CEO side and, and uh, in, in, you will see ABG going forward to be much more an active in electric scenarios as the situation develops, right? And, and uh, I tell everybody, look, in, uh, and doesn't happen overnight, right? And because you have a massive infrastructure that needs to take place. I think it's great. And we've talked before on a previous episode, just how sustainability drives a lot of consumer decisions more so than it ever has before. So, I mean, diversifying the fleet and even just talking about the segmentation that you have coming in and who's purchasing the cars, sustainability is certainly important. So that's really exciting. And I love the Zipcar stat. How cool is that? So the, the, the whole approach that we have is we think of mobility in this, like think of mobility at this cycle, right? And, and, and uh, it's okay for you guys to take an Uber from home to the airport. And, and then when you go to, I don't know, LAX and you take an Avis car because you're going to need that for two or three days, then you come back and uh, you go back home and you are maybe a SIP car member because you use that to move within your neighborhood. And then you want to go to Orlando and do a budget rental because you want to be in a minivan and you want like a cheaper price or whatever, then, you know, you go back and I don't know, in Miami, you, you have this train now that it will take you from Fort Lauderdale, West Palm Beach, and eventually to Orlando. Our whole approach is, look, we're just going to be part of the decision-making process, right? This is a cycle that you, you know, and, and uh, you have many options to move around and just Avis budget for us, our goal is just to be a fundamental part of that cycle. And that's the reason we have a partnership with our ride-hailing companies. That's the reason when we have seamless integration of multiple transportation options is what we're aiming for. 
and and then EV, you know, and it's going to be a part of it as well. It's great because you're thinking about the traveler. And in many cases, it's the same traveler, but different use cases of how they live their life, both with work or personally, or how they're going to use the vehicles. I like that. And then you fit in along the way to meet that traveler's need. And sometimes it's a different traveler. Sometimes it's the same. I think that's really powerful. And, and when you talk about those partnerships, I love that too. That's something I wanted to also chat a little bit more about, like how you choose those those partnerships. And for you, it really talks about how the travelers are behaving and what they want to do and how they move in the, that, that mobility um, circle you were discussing. How do you think loyalty fits in as well? You know, building that loyalty so that Avid, Avis Budget Group fits in in all those scenarios for people and it's their first choice. Being from Thales, I'm, I'm lucky enough that we have a great top of mind. And uh, that's important when, when you think about top of mind and, uh, and uh, Avis has been around for 70 years. We put out well-known campaigns like the Avis. We try harder campaigns, so everybody recognized the brand. We are in 100, 180 countries, so everywhere you go, you know, for work or, you know, vacation, you ended up looking at an Avis brand. And plus we have, you know, cool partnerships like the one we have with the PGA and, and, and so that provides great exposure. And in addition to that, you know, I think equally important or even more so, you know, the partnership that we have with you guys, you know, because you provide distribution at a global scale and you allow us to reach an audience at a global scale with different age brackets, different buying behaviors. Every person going to Expedia, you will see the Avis brand somehow. Then, and uh, how we define those partnerships, you know, I, I go back to our vision as a company. We define, you know, what is it that Avis and Budget wants to do? mobility as being completely connected, integrated, and on demand. Like maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago, we used to say, we want you to be an Avis customer because you are this, this, and that, or we want you to be a budget customer because you are this, this, and that. Now we acknowledge that you can be an Avis budget and a Zipcar customer at the same time. And again, the combination of that top of mind and distribution that we get through people like you guys and, and, and being able to position the brand where it's supposed to be, and it create that streamlined transportation option or experience. Think of it as kind of like a reactive marketing strategy. Like we used to, we used to talk about targeted marketing. We're gonna target you and define an audience, and then we're gonna go at you. That's fine. And uh, but this reactive marketing is now like you just position yourself in a way that makes sense through your partnership and through distribution channels, and then you end up being, you know, a top of mind and a brand to be used by your customers. Ricardo, I have a question for you, and I can be off base and you can correct me. I think one of the top benefits of being loyal to a car company is that you get to often skip the counter. You get to show up. Is that is that true? Is that like one of the top benefits Traveler Signal is being important to them? Maybe to be more specific, like people want to get to your car, you know, and as uh, fast as possible. And, and, and yes, if you have the capacity to skip the counter that you can, you, you can do that being signing up to a preferred service is, is a big plus. Honestly, I don't know why a hundred percent of the people don't do it. Like if you ask me, you know, something that you cannot live without, it will be my cell phone. I know, you know, because of email or, or I, I, I'm not even on social media. It's because I have everything on it. Like I have my QR code so I can exit. I have, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 
prefer with everything so I can bypass the counter. Even the hotel industry, you know, when you have that kind of, you can open your door with your phone. I don't know why not 100% of the people is using that. Here's why I brought it up. It's really interesting to me. And Sally, I'm keen to hear your opinion here too, is it feels like within car rental, like the loyalty benefit is around efficiency. And that like the same cannot be said for hotel and air. And I think the challenge with hotel and air is the benefits customers seek have a cost, either a, you know a trade-off cost or an actual hard cost. And with car, it's really like, yep, it's great to get a car class upgrade if you want to drive to Arizona in the convertible, but you can also pay for it. And the key is like, hey, I just want to get you know off the plane or to the car rental agency and out of the gate with my car quickly. And I think that's just an interesting construct. And you know, kudos to AOS Budget Group for leaning into it. I I think it's the coolest benefit. I, I guess people is more used to all these benefits to airlines and hotels and, and part of the leisure group. And part of the people that drive for leisure, maybe you see the car rental experience as a compliment, just like a means to move me from A to B. We get more people. You're not going to drive the same car that you have back home. Try to drive something different, you know, and enjoy that for a little bit extra. Maybe they don't understand the benefit of maybe booking in advance or or being able to select your car. And, and th- that changed a little bit through the pandemic, you know, and now and because you get a lot of people just going into a specific location and you... You used to see long lines because, you know, you have this high concentration of people showing up at the same time. So people began, you know, to to maybe plan a little ahead a little bit more. I think it's interesting you bring up booking windows too, because I think that's how I've changed my behavior through this whole pandemic of, of the trips that I've planned where I've needed a rental car. Maybe a few years ago, I would have booked my air in my hotel and then thought I can get that rental car closer in. But now the minute I secure that air or hotel, I am booking the rental car because I need it. Especially I do a lot of like multi-generational trips, like my parents, kids, I need the bigger car. So I'm going to lock it in, in advance. And, you know, I, I don't know if you're still seeing that, but that's certainly something that's changed for me. Yeah, it is. I, I agree. Again, it's going back to, uh, to a generation, uh, generation change. And, and uh, people in the past, maybe they were more used to just showing up and that's it. But now you get more of, of, of planning. We've been talking about like people should book in advance and, and, and uh, capacity is still a challenge. We're much better, but even airline capacity, you know, domestic capacity is down seven, eight, nine percent versus 2019. International capacity is double, it's down 15, 20 percent versus 2019. So that also applies for car rental, you know, and it's going to get better as, you know, as the supply challenges start to ease up. And, uh, and uh, but recommendation is people try to book early, try to, you know, and uh, do your planning properly so you can enjoy your, your summer vacation. And, you know, with air cancellations and just how crazy that space has been the last couple of weeks, travel is, to your point, I think there's a strong intent to travel. You're feeling very optimistic about the summer, but... I think the big takeaway is prepare, make the reservation, get everything lined up so you can have the best possible experience. Shall we jump into the fun segment of recurring questions? I'm excited for this one, Ricardo. What is the best rental car that you've ever been awarded or that you booked? Yeah, I don't know. I'm more about uh, big SUVs, BMW or, or the Ford Explorer, and, and, and right now I have a nice Chevy Traverse, and uh, I'm for a space now. Very cool. What's the summer trip schedule looking like for you on a personal level? Any leisure trips coming up? Oh, Brandon, 
not going anywhere. What? But I have a good excuse. I'm having a baby like in two months. And, oh, uh, congratulations. congratulations. Thank you. So, um, and, and uh, we might, I think we're going to Bahamas and uh, this weekend just because it's like half an hour away from us. It's pretty easy. Then we're going back to Georgia and and I don't think my wife is allowed to travel and uh, and uh, after next week, something like that. So I guess it's going to be Miami for us, which... Not a bad you know, place to be. I do love you. It's like, yeah, I'm going to Bahamas for the weekend, you know. No well, it's, it's very, everybody, <laughs> will, everybody will say, oh, Bahamas is really half an hour away. Like you can jump from yeah. here. And uh, so, <laughs> so from Seattle, I can see that being a long way for us is, you know, pretty, a pretty easy, easy trip. It was so good to meet you, Ricardo. Yes. Thanks so much. Awesome. Once again, we maximized our time with our guests. We had a great interview. We covered a lot. It's really interesting the parallels of reducing friction that we heard from both Darren Scott in episode five from United and then Ricardo here today. Both of our last two guests have really drilled into that overall engagement with customers. When you think about the traveler's experience, the flight and the rental car has a major impact on not only their trip, but if they come back as loyal customers again, There's so many opportunities for friction, and it's great to see airline and car partners alike really investing in that experience. Uh, I mean, just look at the ease of picking up the rental car today. You used to have to wait in a long line, and now you can just skip right to it. Sometimes you can select your car in the app, and all these things you can do and book in advance and really feel confident about your experience the day of that travel. Because if I know one thing, it's when you're putting the rental car experience on the back of an airline experience. There are a lot of things that can go wrong, but with these companies investing in technology, we've seen a lot of improvements for the traveler experience. Absolutely, Brandon, so true. This this traveler first mindset is coming across from a lot of our interviews and that's just so great to see. But Brandon, I heard that you had a chance to go to the Indy 500, which if you didn't know, is the largest single day in-person event in the world. So what were you doing there, first of all? (laughs) Who did you talk to? And did you get a chance to drive one of the cars? Great questions. I'll go in reverse order. They would not let me anywhere near any of those cars ever. So no. But I did have a great time. So I met a driver, uh, Stefan Wilson, a couple of years ago. We've stayed in touch. We've helped each other with business opportunities. And in the past two years, I've helped that team book their travel for the Indy 500. So I spend all year uh, making sure that their guests and their VIPs have a great time in exchange for me being able to say, we are trying to win the Indy 500 this year. So I have a very small role in that team. But we did get to meet with two drivers, uh, Stefan Wilson, who drove in this year's 500, and then James Hinchcliffe, who won the pole, which means you start first in the race. Uh, Previously for the 500, he has transitioned as the NBC Sports Analyst now, so he's no longer in the car. He's in the booth. And if that name sounds familiar, that's because he almost won Dancing with the Stars a few years ago. So two great interviews with Stefan Wilson and James Hinchcliffe. All right, we're here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway with Steph Wilson. Steph, tell us what you're doing in Indy this year. We are getting ready to compete in the 106 running of the Indianapolis 500. Absolutely. And what car will you be driving this year? We'll be driving the uh, Cusick Motorsports Nali Jerky number 25 Chevrolet. Your manager, Anders Krohn, and you rent two cars. Who wins in a lap around 465 in Indianapolis? (laughs) 
<laughs> I actually think Anders would win that lap, win that lap. You know, uh, he uh, he's a bit of a demon in a rental car. Uh, whereas uh, I uh, I have my name and reputation to think about when I'm uh, driving a rental car. All right, so you drive a lot of rental cars. Tell me uh, a couple benefits that you enjoy by having loyalty to a rental car company or a place where you can get rental cars. Yeah, usually um, I'll be using Avis. I'm an Avis preferred member, so I love the fact that I can just skip the line and just go straight to the rental car. What's the most common rental car that you've rented and what's the best rental car that you've ever been given? So I think if I was to just pick rental cars, it would be probably the Toyota Camry or the Chevy Malibu. Pretty standard sedan, as long as it's got Apple CarPlay. That is a big win. And uh, one time I was actually, I was out in Phoenix uh, for media day. They like upgraded me and put me in like a, a Mustang, a Ford Mustang. The power of an upgrade. Awesome. You're a hotels.com gold member. Thank you. Bucket list trip that you plan on redeeming all those room nights with. <laughs> We've been to Maui before and it was just such an incredible experience. You know, really loved scuba diving and just seeing uh, seeing that aspect of the world. So I think I would have to either go back to back to Hawaii somewhere um, in the off season or or maybe even go even further west in the Pacific, maybe uh, hit up the French Polynesia area. Awesome. Uh, last question. After the D500, the first trip you're going to take is? Uh, back to Colorado. <laughs> A road trip back to Colorado. All right, Steph, thanks for your time. Thanks. Thanks, Brendan. All right, we're here at the Annapolis Motor Speedway, for the Powering Travel Podcast by Expedia Group, here with James Hinchcliffe, Annapolis 500 pole sitter, IndyCar winner, best known for being a pretty good dancer on Dancing with the Stars. What else do you do? Um, no, that, that's pretty much it. I, well, I talk a lot. That's what I do now. They pay me to talk. You also do a little traveling, I hear. So uh, let's talk some rental car experiences. Best rental car that you've ever been given? Oh, that's a that's an interesting question. I was once... So I'm like, I'm pretty cheap. I'm just going to throw that out there. I'm really cheap. So I always like book the cheapest option on there. And every once in a while, you kind of get that. So tw one time I got like a... I don't know if it was an Escalade or maybe it was a Tahoe, but it was like some super nice big SUV where I paid for like a Suzuki Swift. So that was nice. And one time I got a convertible Camaro like SS, which I had a little fun with. I'm not going to lie. Probably why I haven't gotten one of those again since. You're definitely blacklisted on whatever rental car site that was. You're also the uh, uh, the analyst, the on-air analyst for NBC Sports. You do a lot of traveling yourself uh, from Canada. What's a destination in Canada that's a little bit off the beaten path that you'd recommend? Man, uh, Lake Louise, uh, going up, you know, in Alberta there, Northern Alberta. It is so beautiful up there. And I've not had enough time. I've not spent enough time up there myself. So I'm, I'm planning on getting back up there with the wife as soon as I can in the summer, in the winter. It doesn't matter. You know, if you're a skier, it's obviously great in the winter, but it's beautiful in the summer, uh, just kind of up in the mountains there. So I highly, highly recommend Banff, Lake Louise area for sure. Cool. So you're driving to Lake Louise. You've rented a car. What's the best feature a rental car loyalty program could provide you? Oh, wow. Well, I mean, definitely, yeah, being able to just kind of walk off the plane straight into the car that I remember when I was, you know, younger, kind of first started traveling a lot, first being old enough to rent a car on my own. I landed in, landed in Orlando and uh, I wasn't part of a loyalty program and I stood in a line for two and a half hours. And while I was in the line, I signed up for every rental car loyalty program that existed. So I never had to make that mistake again. So that's pretty good. 
Uh, and you know what? I would really appreciate it if once in a while they just chucked in like uh, free XM satellite radio. I'm not gonna lie. Love that too, especially because you listen to uh, IndyCar. Yeah, there we go. Double plug. Uh, all right, last question for you. You're an Expedia Group loyalty member. Are you Hotels.com or Expedia? It's going to be a two-parter. Expedia for me. Expedia for you. All right, so you've uh, obviously racked up some points. Bucket list trip when this crazy month of May is over. Fiji. The wife and I have always wanted to go to Fiji, so I feel like... I don't know if I've saved up quite enough for the whole trip, but like I'm definitely getting I'm definitely getting some upgrades because of that. So yeah, I think that's where we're gonna go. Awesome. Thanks a lot for your time, James. Good luck this month. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right, two great interviews. Now, Sally, I've gotta ask you a question. Knowing that James Hinchcliffe was both an IndyCar driver and on Dancing with the Stars, I'm gonna ask you this question. You have to do one of those two things, either dancing on live television or driving a race car at 230, which is 370 kilometers an hour, which are you choosing? That's a great question, Brandon. Maybe you'll be surprised by my answer here, but dancing with the stars all the way. I think that would be Love it. so fun. I don't know if I'd get eliminated quickly, but I wouldn't care because it just looks amazing. I, I would not choose that in a million years, but that's why we're different and that's why we're good together. Thanks for listening for this whole season. We are lucky to have such loyal listeners. And if you know a friend who would love to binge the podcast, make sure to share it with them too. And thanks to all of you who sent feedback and shared the show. It was so great hearing from you. And stay tuned for what's to come next. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Powering Travel. We want to hear from you. So connect with us at poweringtravel at expediagroup.com. Subscribe to get notified when new episodes are live and be sure to rate and review the show. A huge thank you to everyone powering travel. Thanks for listening.